What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going all right. Um, I appreciate Graham and I were supposed to not interview, but do this podcast thing uh, last night. Yes. But I had to place myself on the one-day uh, IL, that's what IL, it's called no, now. It's no longer disabled. If you yeah. do that, you're a Northern California conservative. Yeah, no, not, not the DL, the IL. I, uh, it was our friend Gabe Peacock, who has been on the show years ago, kind of. It was years ago. It was literally two years ago. Yeah. Um, it was his and I 30th birthday, and like most 30-year-olds do, we got uh, sumo wrestling outfits and sumo wrestled. That is the sign of maturity. Yep. And then, like the smart guy I am, I decided to wrestle without the little sumo helmet on and landed on my head and messed my back up. So, been dealing with that all week, Graham. That does not sound fun. No. Nope, um, nope. Are you as inflexible as uh, James Stone, the old uh, Falcon Center from about five or six years ago? Did he have back and neck issues seemed like he moved as uh, well as a 50 foot pine tree so potentially um i think i'm moving better than james stone that's good yeah that's good no i'm i'm, I'm up on my feet uh but yeah so been dealing with that and then i'm, I'm glad we're doing this podcast tonight instead because i was all settled in to watch the braves and falcons tonight this is thursday evening and braves are already down six nothing in the second inning uh, that would be a Pete Alonso 450 foot home run. 450? Yeah, it's like 451 and into the water again. I've never seen anyone hit it into that water except Pete Alonso. And then I watched the first drive uh, of the Falcons with Matt Ryan, and the, the offensive line's looking rough, Graham. Yeah. Lindstrom's getting pushed around. Schweitzer's out there. Matt just got sacked as we yeah, speak. Yeah, Matt Ryan, he's, he's been getting hit like way too often. I'm not. So much for fortifying the line, I guess. Let's make full judgment on these. This offensive line. Oh yeah, second preseason. The preseason. The fir- yeah, first time these guys have probably played together with Matt Ryan behind center. And Alex but, Mack is not at center. That, Schweitzer's playing center uh, right now. Well, that's when we need to judge Graham. This is when we need to judge. And just like those people in Matt Ryan's MVP year said he was done, then he went out and had the best season of his life. So I Matt did, is sacked again, back to back sacks. That is rough. I don't care what season it is. He's yelling at everybody. Pissed off already. Jesus Christ. Good news is he's really good at like throwing it under pressure now. So he was still like Calvin Ridley had like a twenty-five yard catch. He was dumping it off to Ito. Man, Schweitzer looks horrible. Russell Gage, um, Lindstrom looks like he's out there uh, trying to learn how to speak Cantonese and just doesn't know what to do. Yeah, us us describing a Falcons preseason game should that be our full podcast? I think so. Let's keep going. This is uh, I'm sure this is entertaining to the users if they haven't turned it off already yet. Woof. So not a good start for the Falcons, bad start for the Braves tonight. Um, where do we begin, Adam? Well, um, the legends don't exist anymore, so we Shit, can't start there. To talk about them. Um, could talk Thrashers, but they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, Sad days. We're in a pennant chase in baseball, so how about we start there? That sounds fair. It's August, so I mean, it's important to talk about baseball, I guess. I, mean, I know we haven't talked about it in a while, but yeah, what the hell, why not? <laughs> yeah, baseball really isn't our specialty. It's not our forte. No yeah. one listens to the show for baseball. Let's, let's try. Yeah, let's, let's give it the old uh, 
Keith Ho here. The Braves come into tonight, Adam, August 15th, 2019, at 72 and 50, uh, 22 games over 500, first place in the NL East. Number two overall in the National League and leading their division by six games with a 99.5% probability, probability to make the postseason. Um, it's been interesting, an interesting time for our, our Braves. Um, got a lot of, still have a lot of bullpen meltdowns. The bullpen has uh, conceivably or inconceivably gotten worse, seemingly, over time. Still, I think it's too early to judge, even though I know a lot of people want the head of Shangreen mounted on their wall like so many taxidermied deer and or elk. With all that being said, though, they still haven't lost a uh, series since the Royals, since they got swept by the Royals way back when, and uh, I believe that was late June. So things are still looking good. They're not, like, on fire anymore. And like we talked about last week, the offense certainly has its holes um, without Marcakis, Riley, Swanson. And the bullpen has been rough, but one place that has gotten stabilized uh, tonight, notwithstanding, is the uh, the pitching staff, the starting rotation. Max Freed has looked excellent. Yeah, pitched his ass off his last two appearances uh, against Minnesota, went five and a third, struck out ten against one of the better offenses in the American League. And then a couple nights ago against the Mets, went six innings, only gave it one run, um, did a really, really nice job. Started to lose control a little bit there, but overall he's, he settled in and, and finished the job. And he's done a really good job rebounding from very tough uh, Julys and Junes for him. So I think he's come along at the at the right time in terms of stabilizing the rotation. Fulty, even though he had a rough start against the, the Marlins on Sunday, um, he's still settled down enough to keep us in the game, and his stuff still looks good enough. And mentally, even though I still think he's a maniac, looks a little more composed, hell of a lot more composed than he did earlier in the season. So I think the rotation is looking up, even though everything else is kind of either floundering or on fire. By the way, I apologize. I called you a little bitch last week uh, when um, we were discussing Fulty. I'm sure you lost a lot of sleep over that. I did. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to bring it up in front of the <laughs> users, but if, if you're going to, then I guess we'll uh, we'll have it out. No, I didn't. I don't even remember that at all. <laughs> you were talking about his don't be a bitch bracelet. Yes. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's right. Then you called and I said, bitch. I think you're being a little bitch yeah, talking sure. about him being a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fulte's been better. Uh, a few things I feel like I've learned. I pretty much trust Soroka and Freed. Yeah, Keuchel, I trust him at home. At home, he's good. Uh, I still need to see more from him overall. But um, let's not pitch him on the road right now. I mean, he's still coming into his groove. Like, yeah, it is weird. You know, we've got to keep in mind and start pitching in damn June. So. Yeah. Um, Fulte, we just got to keep monitoring that one as well. Yeah. The, the hope here is that the right guys find their stride at the right time. It yeah. doesn't matter now. I mean, like... We're doing enough to win ball games, and that's what's important right, right now. They're ugly a lot, and there's a lot of talk about this on 6-8 of the fan this week that I think we just need to adjust that this is the new normal because it's like this for every team. Every team's got starters that go five or six innings, can be pretty crisp, and then but they're not going to go more than six innings because no one wants to pitch three times to the lineup. Mm-hmm. And then the bullpens just suck. Yeah, and that's just baseball now. There's yeah. a lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts, and a lot of shitty bullpens and starters that can't pitch very far. And I, I was hashing it out with some kid on Reddit the other day, one of my new pastimes, hashing it out with kids on Reddit. Sure. 
And uh, I thought he made a very fair point about why are we so obsessed with high-velocity guys out of the bullpen mm-hmm. that can't throw strikes? Mm. Like, Trevor Hoffman is one of the most successful closers of all time, and he threw 85 to 89. I think about Mo Rivera, the best closer of all time. He threw a cutter. Yeah. That's it. So why, why are we obsessed with these Chad Sabatkas that can't throw strikes? Or that I, profile of guys. Plus, if we have so many of these Chad Sabatkas now. They're a dime a dozen. Hitters are geared up to hit 99. Sure. Can't we just get so... Like, that's what... Even though Shane Green's getting thrashed, I appreciate the fact that he throws strikes. Yeah, and the thing with Shane... To first go back to your first point in terms of why Sorry, we're obsessed I'm, with I'm a little velocity. all over the place. It's okay. I am, too. It's been a long day. Uh... The thing with, with the velocity piece, right? I think people are so enticed by velocity because it's like you have a better chance of striking people out. If you have a better chance with velocity, if you can locate it, than you do as a guy who's throwing 88, 90. Um, the problem with that is, of course, is if you can't locate the damn thing, then who cares? Um, or if you're leaving it fat on the plate and guys can time it right, who cares? It doesn't have a lot of movement on it. But I think that's why people love it so much is because it minimizes uh, people, ha- you know, it takes away the defensive element. It's literally just the pitcher against the batter, and it minimizes the amount of things that could possibly happen in the field because if you can strike out everybody or have a better chance to strike out everybody than a guy who throws 88 to 90 does, then that should get put you in an advantageous position. It should. Yeah, that's but a theory, but yes. it, it might be a time to reassess that theory based off all these shitty bullpens of hard-throwing fellas. Perhaps. But we have a shitty bullpen with a lot of people who don't throw that hard. Now our new closer... Melanson only throws like 93. It's not like he's a oldest Chapman or something. Right. Um, but Shane Green, let's talk about him for a second. Speaking of Shane Green, had a very good appearance last night. Uh, one, two, three inning stuff. His stuff was moving superbly. Um, struck out a guy with a, I believe it was a sinker or slide. I don't know what the hell it was. It was a beautiful pitch on the outside corner. Ball started off way outside to this left-handed pitcher. And then it wound up painting the black, and it was just so pure. I love it when you describe pitches on podcasts, Graham. It's beautiful. Well, thanks. I visualized it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. The way it just went—it was just like it looked like it was going into the like the other batter's box, and then just whoosh, comes right across and paints the black and strikes the guy out. I, I, I can see it in my head, Graham. Freaking beautiful. Um, he looked excellent last night, and I think his biggest problem has been his inability to get people out when he's up like one two. Or 0-2. Like, he'll get ahead of guys, and then he just doesn't have a great... He just wasn't getting his out pitch working. Last night, he was getting his out pitch working. So that's why I said, give them more than, you know, three or four or five appearances to get their shit together. Because Shane Green has proven this year that he has the talent to pitch at a very high level. And last night, he showcased that. And hopefully, that's the trend moving forward. I'm not saying it, it, it's going to be, but I'm just also saying, stop crucifying the guy until we've had enough time to fully evaluate. Yeah, I mean... It has been horrible. But the stuff is there, and he can do it. I mean, I get it. He's he's obviously he's not he's no Luke Jackson, you know. Like he's not going to be Luke Jackson Shit. good. But I think we can make him a serviceable pitcher. Oh Jesus! Um, Your boy Luke's either striking out the side or walking everybody inside. Uh, not since yeah, I don't think he's given up a run since these new guys came in. Luke's thriving on the competition, uh-huh. which is great. You know, he gave us some runs in Miami. Okay, I wasn't watching that. Um. But yeah, no, Shane. If anyone need needed a scoreless outing like that, it was Shane Green. And you got to think about it from his perspective. Like, this is a guy who came from a last, not just a last place team, but like 
like one of the worst teams in the league. It literally was the they are the worst team in baseball. Okay, yeah. Throwing in Detroit with zero pressure on them. I mean, it's a big adjustment to up and move your family down south, and then all of a sudden you're in a pennant race mm. in a stadium where there's actually people. And sure. he came in a little cocky talking about how he's the closer. Yeah, He tried to pull a Josh Donaldson with the whole check out my baseball card, but Josh Donaldson's backed it up a little bit better than Shane Green. Sure. So far. So far. But, yeah, I mean, Donaldson started off slow, and we love Donaldson. So yep. I could see about three weeks from now. A lot of Shane Green uh, people jumping back on the wagon. Yeah, I hope there's a lot of apologies going on with uh, in regard to Shane Green. Um, and all all these guys really are. I feel like they're not getting the shit hit out of them. Like it's a lot of singles. Yeah, freaking Johan Camargo. Let's talk like, about Johan. There's so many balls that Dansby would have gotten to. Like yeah. Chris Martin, the the one that Chris Martin threw last night. Yeah, uh, that like. Uh, Camargo olayed a little bit. Yeah, that was bad. Dansby makes that play routinely. Yeah, there was a couple, there were like three plays in that ninth inning with Melanson. Um, one of which was a double play that should have ended the game, where it was a routine play that anyone who's even the minor league should be able to make if they're a, if they're a competent shortstop. Um, where he just bobbles the ball on the exchange and the umpire rules he doesn't have possession. That should have been at the game. That should have been double play. And instead, Melanson looks like he had a really bad outing when he gave us some hits. But you know that should have been double play that got him out of it. Instead, we're chewing on our nails and freaking out and charting ourselves. But we got damn Blevins on the mound <laughs> to close the game. But all due deference to Blevins, he's looked pretty pretty good. I know he's just a lefty specialist, but he went out there and shut the door. And he's done a really good job. Yeah, he's recently. done that a couple times this yeah. year. Like I mean, no one's excited to see Jerry Blevins. Yeah, but. I mean, sometimes you got to have a Jerry Blevins on your team. Right, but Camargo needs to be sent down. He's putrid in all phases of the game right now. His offense is, is bad. Um, or it's not even bad. It's ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. Um, he's hitting, like, you know, well below 150. He's a just complete offensive liability. And on defense, he looks just very lackadaisical. And it doesn't seem like his head's in the game. It doesn't make sense. Like, this was his opportunity – to get all this playing time this year. Right. And like, yeah, exactly. He doesn't seem like he's into it now. No. You want to talk about heart, as you always say. I hate to go down the heart route, but he does look like he has a lack of heart right now. No. And we've also learned that, I mean, I was tooting Charlie Culberson's horn, but we're kind of seeing why he's not an everyday player now as well. He, he, he's not a – I mean, A, he's not a full-time shortstop. He's, yeah. not, he's not making the plays Danzy's making. Yeah. Ever since his four-for-four four day, he hasn't done much of anything. He's been okay hitting, but you're right. It's Defensively, he's not Swanson, and I would entertain the notion at this point until Dansby comes back because there's news came out recently that it looks like Dansby's not going to have a realistic uh, path to return to the team until September. Well, I saw a positive report for the first time in a few days today where he is taking batting practice Yes, again. he's starting to do things, but he's still not totally cleared. He's not running. Yeah, and so he's probably not going to return until September. So do you entertain the notion at this point of putting Ozzy Alves at short? Hell no. Defensive prowess. I've seen that shit thrown out there so much, and I think it's dumb. So you want the corpse of Johan Camargo and the defensive deficiencies of Charlie Culberson at short at least, playing shortstop over a one of the best uh, defensive middle fielders in, in baseball. Uh, defensive second baseman who hasn't played shortstop in like four years. 
I would rather that could give be, him a try there. I don't want to touch Ozzy. He's doing everything great right now. Yeah. Let's not switch it up. There, I prefer the talk. Of, liability. They're a damn liability. Colerson well, and, and Camargo. There's people out there that we can pick up, Grambo. Well, like Adyuni Hechevaria. Yeah. The worst. He is a decent defender, I will say. Yeah, he was released, I believe, from the Mets. He's bounced around the NL East. He was on the Marlins, I think, originally. He's a Paul Yanish at this point. That's what we need. But he's so bad offensively. What? But better than Camargo. That's true. Anyone's better than Camargo. What blanket is at this point? So maybe that's a flyer you take. I mean, I would honestly take – I don't even know who our AAA shortstop is, but if he can play defense, let's get him up here. Yeah. It's, Send Camargo uh, down. It's terrible. I think Camargo, Camargo still has options to go down. Yeah, and regardless of um, – even, you know, even if Camargo was playing half-decent uh, defensive shortstop, which it seemed like he was for a little bit, but not anymore, I would still send him down at this point because he he doesn't really give you anything. And they're, and they're – what is he providing to the team right now? I know he hit that home run um, in the Saturday night game against the Marlins, but it's like other than the occasional random home run, and I know he got a hit last night that um, I believe uh, four bases loaded – in that big rally that we had against uh, Lugo. But, I mean, it's not like he's making hard contact. It's not like he's walking at all. It's not like with Donaldson, when Donaldson was struggling, everybody was, or like, I use struggling with very, you know, with air, air quotes. Uh, but, you know, when Donaldson wasn't, like, hitting to the best of his ability, he was still walking. He was still playing good defensive third base. He was still scoring runs. You know, he was still doing things to contribute to help the team win. Camargo is, is little more than a half-worn body out there at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, something's got to change, and I think we'll see. Anthopolis doesn't mess around with um, – I mean, Camargo's got all the chances he could ask for. Yeah. And obviously Anthopolis didn't fully believe in Camargo in the first place by going to get Josh Donaldson at the right. beginning of this year. Right. So, And everyone – I think we see – but by next week's podcast, I think uh, something's happened with Camargo. Okay. That's my prediction. Sure. And I'd like to say, Graham, you know what's something we don't talk about enough? Hmm. Ronald frickin' Acuna. Yeah. It's like we already just take him for granted that yes. he's great. That he's just you know one of the best players in the I mean, world. but this week, that Tuesday, what was that, the Tuesday game? Yeah. Where, I mean, he just, this guy, we're just so lucky to have him on our we team, are, Graham. We are very lucky to have him. He's having an amazing month of August so far, nine home runs. 362 average, 403 on base, 862 slugging percentage, which is like a freaking, I mean, that's like out of this world, uh, over well over 1,000 OPS on base plus slugging. Um, no matter how you slice it, he's an absolute freak. Just a total maniac out there playing out of his mind, and he owns the Marlins. I don't know why the Marlins still pitched him. It's like every day during that series, he had at least a homer. With I think on the Saturday night game, he didn't get a hit, but he still got on base. You know, he had like a thirty, uh, you know, like a thirty-game on base streak. I mean, he, he's mm-hmm. just been amazing this year. And your boy Snitker came out this week and said he was a dumbass for not hitting Acuna first all along. That was his quote. That dumbass. was his quote. Yeah, which was kind of funny. Um, you know, I didn't want to say I told you so, but yes. I mean, it was a fair experiment. But it was a fair experiment. Like we said when they're in the season previous, like I don't agree with it. I get it, but. The guy who's the most dynamic player on the team should be hitting first. Right. I mean, he'd probably—I mean, he'd probably have like 110 RBIs if he was hitting fourth. But 
Maybe. But I mean, like, I think without him hitting first, this team doesn't get jump started. Yeah. Once no. again, it's, it's like crucial. It's like the same thing last year. Once he goes to the top of the lineup, it was like everything changed and we became this offensive juggernaut. And thank God that the top four guys are playing out of their minds right now. I was just going to say, like, even with the whirlwind that the bottom of the lineup is right now, those top four are just so damn good. And someone usually steps up in the bottom. Your boy Ender. Ender's played a lot better Ender's recently, hit offensively. 290 since he came back. Yeah. No, he's not as much he's got reliability. like 16 runs, 15 RBIs. He's been getting it done, Graham. He's, he's doing all okay. I'm still not going to um, anoint him as like some freaking monster or anything. But, uh, yeah, he has done much better. And he actually is uh, – one thing I've, I've noticed that I've really appreciated is his uh, – he must have changed something in his plate discipline because he's got 10 walks this month to a tune of a 449 on base percentage, which is excellent. So um, that is really good news. He even had another walk uh, last night. So I really like what I'm seeing from Ender from the plate. He's still not hitting the ball very hard, but he's getting on base. He's playing good defense. And uh, he's coming through when you need him to come through. He had, you know, um, got a big RBI double last night, got another RBI hit last night. Uh, he's coming through with runners in scoring position. And it's nice to see the bottom of the lineup not be just a total travesty like it was um, you know, when all those guys went down, when it was like, man, this is absolutely brutal. But your boy Flowers is still lost. And he took a hit to the head last night, poor bastard. Like, his head was bleeding. <laughs> that was just an irresponsible swig by Pete Alonzo. Yeah. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Yeah. Like, I would be so pissed if I were Tyler Flowers. But, yeah, there, there was a picture of Flowers about to catch a uh, Keiko pitch, and his eyes were completely closed. Really? Yeah, it's like, oh, maybe that's part of the issue. Well, you got to keep in, your eyes open, Tyler. Yeah, it was incredible. There was these balls that were, like, in the dirt, but they were easily blockable. And he was just, like... Yeah, he like, wasn't no, getting down. Yeah. It was, like, not blocked at all. It was, like, um, it's like right when the ball came, someone, like, touched him, and he turned freaking, I don't even know, like, transparent, and the ball just goes through him. It's, it's you, ridiculous. You know what I think's happened to him? You know how, like, every single football season where doing a preview for your podcast and we get to talk about the Saints... Mm-hmm. And it's always like, this is the year Drew Brees is going to get old. Yep. Or same thing with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, although I'm done saying that. So, but I He's do, immortal. I do think this is the year Drew Brees gets old. I hope you're right. But I believe when I see it. I feel like that's what's happened to Tyler Flowers. And generally, it's that's like... hilarious to comparing Tyler Flowers to Brees. Brady, <laughs> yeah. But whatever, continue. Well, it's, it's like when, when Peyton Manning got old. Like, he was great, and then all of a sudden, he just sucks. Mid-season. Sure. I think that's what's happening to Tyler Flowers. But, you know, the thing with those guys, or at least with Manning, was that he was old and had a bunch of surgeries. He was near the end. That was his last year playing in the, in the NFL, which is a much you know tougher sport to play in, in terms of the physical toll it takes in your body. Even though the catcher is also very tough, but I would say getting crushed by 300-pound defensive tackles is a hell of a lot tougher. Um Flowers has never been like a stalwart talent, but he's been solid for us. And it's a damn shame that whatever's happening to him is happening because we need him to be at least decent so that by the, so that he can keep trading off with Max. So that by the time, you know, we get to the playoffs, if we're, you know, if we do make the playoffs, I don't want to jinx anybody because all you people are so superstitious out there. But if we get to the playoffs, I don't want Mac being, um, you know, worn out. But I, I find it hard to play Flowers every day. At this, not every day, but even every other day or every two days. He's just he's terrible right now. Well, it's also strange that he seems to be Keuchel's catcher all the time when, like... He can't freaking catch him. Well, and part of the reason for, like, with it, I'm sure they were selling Keuchel on coming to Atlanta 
was that his old catcher, Brian McCann, right. is here. So that's, that just, is a, that's just an aside. Yeah. And Flyers have just been brutal again in August. Um, hitting 120, 154 on base. You know, he, he's just been pathetic. Only three hits and 25 at-bats. I mean, good God. Um, so that's a problem. We, you know... And uh, in other news, though, we, we got some good news with Austin Riley. Uh, he does have a slight tear in his LCL, which is a ligament in the knee, but does not require surgery. Went and saw your Dr. boy, Graham. Dr. James Andrews. Yep. Um, just going to stay off it for a couple weeks and then and then hit it. And then I hope that this has given him some time to clear his head, get his shit together. Because I think we were starting to see him, like I said last week, we were starting to see some signs there. He was starting to lay off breaking balls a little bit in the dirt. He's starting to be a little more selective. He still wasn't like getting the results he wanted. He's starting to hit the ball a little harder. Hit a home run in there um, before he got injured. So it was like, God, if we can get him back and he can be anywhere close yeah, to that, what he was. Yeah, that'd be a huge, huge shot in the arm to get him back. Yeah. And also, do you think he's the first player to ever go see Dr. James Andrews and come back with good news? Probably. Generally, that, like, generally, that's like a that's death like a, sentence. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, exactly. It's the like, kiss of death. It's like you go see James Andrews. It's like your schedule when your freaking surgery is going to be. You're not, right. you're not asking for a second opinion. You're like, when are you going to cut me open and fix me up? Yeah, uh, yeah. For him to say, no, you're you're actually good. Yeah. No, no billing for James Andrews on that one. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, especially with Marcakis coming out, like we, I want, we need one of those guys back hitting yeah. at a relatively high level. As for Marcakis, he says um, the the goal would be to. You know, this is uh, I'm loosely quoting this from an athletic article that David Bryan was interviewing Marquez. He says the goal would be to be back by mid-September. It could be sooner, it could be later. It's hard to tell. It's all how I heal up. So you know, if he's back by then, then that gives us the opportunity to judge him for a couple of weeks and see if he's viable for October at that point. Because like I said, the wrist just don't know what the hell it's going to do to people. You know, it's going to sap the power, but can they be effective uh, even hitting the ball with the, with the pressure? that the ball puts on the bat, which then translates to the wrist, which, you know, it's tough. It's really tough to come back from that in such a short amount of time and be expected to play at a very high level. Did you get your medical degree recently, Graham? No. You know about LCLs? You know about wrists and pressure and velocity? Yeah, velocity. You, know, <laughs> you really need to be a doctor to know about that. And wrists. Wrists. I mean, I didn't know what a wrist was until I got my, uh, my, my, my what, doctorate. What the hell's a wrist? Uh, well, you know, it's... Um, it's that thing in your pants that's uh, between your legs. That's that's a wrist. So Marquez is really dealing with a lot of pain right now. We'll move along. <laughs> <laughs> a couple really bad jokes, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave them. So, um, yeah, we need those guys back. We need we need all those guys back if we're going to do anything. And so what, what are your thoughts on the bullpen? I know I've been trying to stay positive, which is rare for me. But what, what, do, you, what do you think at this stage after seeing the guys pitch some more? Uh, Melanson being moved into the closer's role. We're all right. I, I think I like Melanson. He certainly seems like he... Shane Green has a little bit of that faulty in him, I think. So he, he, his emotions are on his sleeves, mm-hmm. which isn't what you want out of a closer, per se. And Melanson, he's the grizzled veteran. Yeah. I think he's got good enough stuff. Like, I mean, last night he was just getting singled to death. Yeah. Um but with some better defense behind him, that'll work itself out. Um, so I, I think we're going to be all right. I mean, like no one has a good bullpen. Let's just hope these guys click by by the time October yeah, comes. Get out. it out of your system now. If they can click in September and and be a more formidable unit, they can't be as bad as they've been for the entire um, 
you know, since they've they've been assembled. I mean, we literally had the worst baseball, uh, worst baseball. We literally have the worst bullpen in baseball since we made these trades. Yeah, statistically, these guys need to to use one of Dan Quinn's uh, phrases. They need to become a part of the brotherhood. I don't think they're part of the brotherhood yet. They're like outsiders looking in on this Braves team that's had some spring training to bond. Um, so maybe there's some chemistry issues going on, Graham. Mm. So with time, hot take. Yeah, I think uh, the chemistry is the issue right now. Sure. And uh, everyone's got to learn their roles. You know, I mean, I'm sure Luke Jackson's a pretty fiery personality to be out there in the bullpen <laughs> with. They got to get used to old Lukey. Old oh, Luke, who sh- he shaved his beard this week. Did you see that? He, yeah, I did. It's interesting to watch him sort of metamorphosize over the season. What do you mean? Well, his face, he's like, keeps changing oh. his face. Like, he keeps shaving and then he grows his beard out. He seems to reflect the different stages he's in as, as in the bullpen. What? If he's a setup guy, if he's, like a, if he's just a guy who's there to eat innings, or if he's a setup guy, or if he's the closer, it's like he has a different look for each 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 time, each I, role. I think it's interesting, my relationship with Luke, how at the beginning of the year... I hated him. Yeah, I hated him. I thought he was the worst. Like He sh- should have been cut after game one, and now he's my boy. He's your boy through thick and thin. I, I I think if we get a big save situation, Snit no. has the same. I know he doesn't he trust does. Snit doesn't trust anyone else. I no know one's he proved, no one's proven themselves to Snit except it's, Luke it's Jackson. It's not like Luke has proven that much either. Sure he has. No. Check out his last month. He has been, you know, he has been good over his last month. I will say that outside of the um, what was that in the Minnesota game? Let me just look at this real quick. He's been he's been decent over his last month. He did you know he almost gave me a heart attack in that damn Marlins game the other night where he gave three hits and somehow survived. <laughs> Classic Luke. You know it seems like to me with Luke the thing that freaks me out the most is like it's either he's going to strike out the side, or he's going to give up three hits and maybe save the game, but it's going to make you want to tear out your hair, or he's just going to shit all over the place like he did at the end of the month against the Nationals in back to back appearances. So it's like. Who is Luke Jackson? I don't know. He's he's an unpredictable pitcher that when he's on, he's pretty damn good. When he's off, he's a nightmare. There's no in-between with Luke. He's not a guy I want to turn to in a very high-leverage situation, but, you know, it's tough to say with any confidence who you would turn to. I'd still rather say give Green a chance, give Martin a chance, give Melanson, keep giving them chances because he brought him in here for a reason. Oh, they'll, they'll get their chances, but they, they better prove in September that they deserve those chances. No, oh, yeah. I'm not saying you you – Right, you know, you don't, you don't keep giving them chances to the point where it's like, yeah, mid September, and we're still dealing with the same shit. Then it's, you know, we gotta re- rethink our strategy. But Luke still scares me a lot. He still scares me, but you know, what the hell do I know? Not much. More than the average Joe. I know what a wrist is. <laughs> <laughs> that goes a long way. In today's America. I'm proud of you, Graham. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Falcons. Sure. Atlanta Falcons, Adam. Football, right? Uh, they are a football team and uh, the National Football League, not the AAF. I'm sorry. I know that's. Um, I know that's. I know that's tough. But we still have Chris Chris Sims, right? We still have Spleen. Okay. The Holy Spleen. We also um, traded your boy Eric Saubert to New England for a seventh round pick. So who cares? Um, he was a guy that was drafted, I think, in the fifth round a couple years ago. That, Saw Bear? Yeah, that never really We're talking out. about Saw Bear? Saw Bear. Let's not talk about Saw Bear. 
our fourth string tight end, tight end that yeah. just got traded for a seventh round conditional pick. Yes. Did you have high hopes on Saul Bear, Graham? I didn't know what to think about Saul Bear. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty dead end conversation. I tell you what. Did he have wrists as well? Uh, he had no wrists. That's why he was traded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hear you need those <laughs> to catch the football. It's uh, going to be pretty tough to to do that if the wrist is in. Your I do know that Saul Bear, he got traded, and the Patriots had to cut uh, quarterback Danny Etling out of LSU. And this guy, they were trying to get him to become a running back in the style of that big lumbering white guy that, that Saints the Saints guy. have. Yeah. yeah, It's so weird, that Saints guy. He's huge, but he's fast, but he's also kind of supple. And you can't remember his name either. I can't right? remember his name, yeah. but I remember he's number one. But I want one of those guys. Yeah, because we went to the Saints game last year and just kicked our ass yeah. the whole game. No, he's, Punt he, returns, taking snaps. Yeah, it's very strange, but yeah. apparently Etling's trying to become one of these guys. And the Falcons picked him up because of our uh, – our other quarterback that just got hurt, Zachariah, whatever his name is. Zachariah? I mean, that's not anything. you talking about? I'm just making names up now. So we signed him uh, with Ben Kurt getting hurt. And um, I don't know. He, he could be nothing, but, I mean, it's better than Matt Schaub having to play so many downs or watch Chris Sims or Matt Sims yeah. or whatever Sims we have nowadays. I, I doubt he gets in any action in this game tonight against the Jets just because um, – you know, he's got to learn playbook and just got traded. I mean, that's that's a hell of a thing to be, you know, turned around, traded, come to Atlanta. And it's like, oh, you're playing on Thursday night. It's like, no, that's less than a week. So I don't expect to see him give me action this week. But next week, who's to tell? And uh, Russell Gage got injured tonight, so that might open up an opportunity for Atlanta. So we'll see. Um, do you happen to watch the game at all last week with the uh, against the Dolphins? That of course we lost because it's a preseason game and we lose every preseason game. Not that that really matters, but it's just kind of funny to me. It's like we always lose every preseason. game. I eventually would like to win a preseason game. Yeah. Graham. no team has ever won the Super Bowl by losing all the preseason games. Well, that's a, that's a problem. Yeah, that's history. That's history. Um, I did not watch much of that game. I watched a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, I, I watched a decent amount of it. I was working on something, but I had it on the background. And I will say this. Matt Schaub had a much better game last week than he did um, in that Hall of Fame game. Went 12-19, 172 yards. Um, just looked a lot more confident and poised there. He looked like he was sleepwalking during that uh, Broncos game. But last week against, uh, against the Dolphins, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. It was nice to, nice to see, like, all those people freaking out saying that, oh, Schaub is, you know, he's done, he's a bum, he's over. Um Matt Sims needs to be the backup. It's like, just calm down. Who would down. say that? Plenty of people. Did, did they watch the Legends? How could anyone that's watched the Legends say Matt Sims should be the backup on an NFL team? That's mind-boggling, Greg. I agree. Like, there's no reason he should have even been signed. I want this Etling guy to be the third string and get rid of Matt Sims. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let, with all due let, respect to his spleen, but, you know. I've never even seen Etling play, but... I'd rather see him. Yeah. We, we know what what Spleen can do, and it's not much. Yeah, if... I mean, if you got wrists, you're better than Spleeny, okay? Exactly, yeah. And Etling's got wrists, yeah. so... Spleen's wrists are uh, negligible yeah. at best. No, they, they don't check out. Yeah, and um, had some... Uh, you know, Kadri Allison looked good last week, had a touchdown on eight carries, 41 yards. Um, Brian Hill couldn't really get it going as much, but also scored a touchdown... You know, it was it was an entertaining game. You know, defense was getting absolutely shredded um, for the most part by uh, the running game. We gave it three rushing touchdowns and uh, lose thirty four to twenty seven. But you know, 
It was okay. And I'm still not seeing anything from anybody where I'm like, oh, man, we really got to watch out for that guy. You know, it was good to see Allison put in some work and have a have a respectable showing, but I haven't seen anyone offensively or defensively so far where I'm like, Jesus, God, that guy's really the answer. They had a tackle today on, like, at the beginning of the game that they're saying for the players to watch. Some guy, Gano. Have you heard of this guy? I have not. Apparently he was a beast. Yeah. Offensive line tackle? Yeah. Hmm. Which, uh, if we could get a lineman to come out of nowhere, that would be phenomenal news. That would be nice. That would be nice. Because the line looked like, it looks terrible tonight. I don't think he's out there yet. But, um, yeah, Matt's taking a beating tonight. And it's the freaking second. Yeah, he's pl- preseason he, he played game. a lot more than I thought he was going to. Yeah, he played well into the second quarter. I thought he was just going to play a series or two. Yeah. And it's funny, too, watching Matt having to play with these receivers who can't catch the ball. Hardy dropped a ball. Gage dropped a ball. Some other guy I've never seen before dropped a ball in the end zone. Um, two guys dropped balls in the end zone back-to-back plays. So, you know, Matt's upset about that. But Julio's not playing. I don't think Ridley's playing either. Ridley started the game. I really started. I think he was out of it. Yeah. yeah he, he was he, not. He had a big, big catch. Okay, good. Yeah. But uh, Ridley was not on the field during that drive in the second quarter tonight where, you know, and that's nice though. We we got some weapons. He was going to Hooper a lot. Yeah, like that. That's his blanket right there. And I, I think Hooper is just going to keep getting bit better. Yeah, Hooper really solidified his position um, last year because you know the year after the the Super Bowl run where everyone thought, okay, he's ready to take over. He struggled a lot and didn't really live up to, to expectations. But last year, he really stabilized the position. And and this year, I think he's looking to just finally own it and say, this is my job. He's so. technically a returning Pro Bowler. Yes. After like six other people right. refused Deferred. to play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Pro Bowler nonetheless. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there's so many weapons out there on offense. If Just give Matt a couple seconds. Yeah, that's all he needs. Did Devontae play at all tonight? I saw him in there. I don't yeah. think he got the ball at all. Uh, but I, I saw him lining up at least. Mm-hmm. Seems like they were trying to stay away from him, but maybe at least give him the feel of playing football again. Right. Um, I'd like to see him get a couple of handoffs. Ito made a couple nice, had a couple nice plays. Yeah, he had a good catch I saw earlier when we were watching, so it's good to see. Uh, Brian Brian Hill, I think he's going to force himself onto this roster. Yeah, he's looking he's looking better, and um, I think he looks far more in control and in, in better game day shape than he did last year. Um, even though I know he had a couple of crazy games at the end of last year, he did not, you know, he didn't look as as built as he does now. Looks like he really took the offseason seriously, shaped his body appropriately, and um, looks ready to go out there and, and compete. And he looks like a guy with a head full of steam every time he gets the ball. I remember when we drafted him, he described his running style as violent, and I did not see that really until the last couple weeks in preseason where you're starting to see that violent cutting, hitting guys. Um, he looks good. And once again, it's preseason. Can't really get too up or down about anybody yet, but um, very encouraging. Indeed, Graham. Yeah. Um, it's like, when does the regular season start? It's hard to talk about preseason. There's still three damn weeks to go. It's like, it feels like, because we had that extra game. Yeah, it makes it feel like it's like 2003 yeah, I, again. I assume that was week one. I was wrong. No, that, that, that game doesn't really even count. Yeah, that's dumb. Not that any preseason game counts, but, yeah, so you know, we still have to play five games. Yeah. So this is only week, technically week two of four. Right. I tell you what, I... I even watching like the first quarter of the Falcons game tonight, I forgot how much more pissed off I get watching football over baseball. 
Well, it's easy. Like to... baseball, I can just be very mellow, even when things are going wrong. Yeah. But football is Because there's so many damn games. Yeah, that's probably it. And every play is you know, magnified in the NFL. That's true. I mean, if it were the playoffs and Camargo made that error that he made last oh, night, be, be, I would have thrown something through the window. I would have jumped out the window. I would have thrown you through the window. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did you watch that United game last I night? I did. They won some cup of some sort. Uh, quite exciting. Yeah, apparently that was a big deal. Um, yeah, it's the first team ever to win the Champions Cup or whatever it's called. Campeones. Campeones. So Sorry. it's it's the Mexican League, Liga MX, ah. versus the champion from their league the previous year versus the champion of the MLS right. the previous year. And the MLS has never won. They've, they've only done it for like three years or so. Right, but still. But I heard that the team last night was described as um, – the best football team in the Western Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And they were playing their best players versus us. We had a bit of a ragtag lineup out there. Yeah, we had Joseph and Pity, but and, and Alec Kahn was playing. I know. That, that's yeah. why I was excited to see him. Uh, apparently, um, DeBoer's been wanting to reward Alec with a start, and it just hasn't worked out yet. So it ended up being that game. But he, he made a couple nice saves out of – Big save early, mm-hmm. kind of set the tone. Yeah, kept us from going down early and let us get that early lead. And uh, yeah, I think the United are they're finding their stride. Yeah, they definitely have turned it around this year. And I don't know if it's a thing where uh, they've gotten used to DeBoer or DeBoer's gotten used to them, or they've had some sort of compromise. But there's a lot more. Um, they seem just more together when they play, and that's shitty analysis, admittedly. But I get more of a vibe of, like, there's still that explosion in them that I was not seeing. It's like they played far less conservatively than they did earlier in the year, and um, that's showing on the field. They're starting to win games like crazy. I think they've only lost one game all year at home uh, this year. And, uh, yeah, so congratulations to them for winning that uh, that championship. And it's pretty cool to watch an Atlanta team win two championships in nine months, even though, you know, Take what you will from that. Call last night a championship. It's still a uh, it's a cup. It's 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 something nice for the city to celebrate. We thought that the actual MLS Cup was a stretch, calling that a championship for the city. Sure. One single game played last night. That's a uh, that's a big stretch. That is a big stretch. I don't think anyone's saying that except you. It's a I don't know. Is someone proposing a parade for the Campeones Cup? I hope not. Yeah, I wouldn't put on the same level. No, it's not. It's, It's very different. Yeah, it is. But I'm just saying, it's nice to see us win something. Where you're expected to lose. One, we were expected to lose. And, and two, just it's just nice to see like an Atlanta team hoist a trophy. I get that. It's, it's, it's a nice thing. You don't see that every day. But Atlanta United is making it commonplace for them, which is, yeah. which is good. It's got to be good on a city chemistry, city team chemistry. Yeah, city team chemistry is definitely very strong right now. Um, and we definitely need to have someone on here who knows what the hell they're talking about when it comes hey, that, to soccer. That's the best we've done in a while. So Yeah, it's mostly talking about United since like May. I'm proud. That that was legitimate for a second. Yeah. So all right, we'll move on. We but proved that we actually watched it too. Yeah. We yeah. Had, you know, a couple of things to say. Oh, one thing I want to talk about uh, with Joseph Martinez <laughs> real quick. When he gets an opportunity for a penalty kick, he does this little thing. Where he like Yeah, I saw that. You know, he's running towards it, he like hops for a second and then he kicks it. And the last two times I've seen him do that, admittedly this game and the last game I watched were like three or four weeks apart or something like that, but both times they were unsuccessful kicks. 
and then he got a chance at the uh, end of the game to do another penalty kick, and he just went up there and kicked it without any hesitation, and he, and he scored. Yeah. Uh, I wish he would just drop this sort of, like, what the hell do I know? But I wish he would drop this sort of, like, hesitation weird thing and then kicking it because it's it's just like how can i don't know i feel it's, like it's very hard to control it's, it's getting cutesy that. yeah it's getting too cute and now with the new rule where goaltenders you know have to keep one foot on the line or whatever they don't have to well i understand the reasoning behind yeah. it because he does that so then when he does actually kick it if there's a ricochet he could still put it back that's fair but, but on a, like a regular penalty kick it's dead right um so i understand the logic behind yeah. it but after watching his two penalty kicks from last night, it's like, dude, just just kick the ball. Put it in there. You're yeah. Joseph fucking Martinez. Yeah, just pick which way you want to go and, and go for it. You're the guy that snubs podcast hosts at bars in the battery. Just right. kick it in there. Yeah, exactly. Don't think about it. Yeah. Just tell them to go fuck themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's for United coverage. I don't think there's really anything to talk about with the Hawks. Um, a couple of people are getting on Vince Carter, though, from the big three. From the big three? Do you know what the big three is? The league? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it that, is a league. That, that, that league. Who's, is it Jay-Z's league? Ice Cube. Ice Cube, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Ice Cube's league? Yeah, I know what the big three is. What, they want fans to come join the league? No. They, uh, they're, Gilbert, they're Ma- Gilbert Arenas was saying. I'll let saying, you tell me. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gilbert Arenas was saying that. He thinks it's bullshit that Vince is still playing and that he thinks he's playing for personal glory to be the longest tenured player in NBA history, and he's taking a roster spot away from guys who uh, you know, could actually use that spot as opposed to Vince who doesn't need to prove anything anymore. Um, I disagree because the guy still can play. We saw it last year. Yeah. And Vince being on that roster spot is 10 times more valuable for all those young guys that get to play with him versus having – some G League guy who is never going to see a minute yeah. all year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It sounds like Gilbert Arenas is a little jealous. Maybe you should just go ahead and take another gun into a locker room. Sure. And that worked out for him really well last time. Yeah. Um, although that might have been Javaris Crittenton that had the gun. I think they both did that. <laughs> Good old-fashioned like trailer park boy-style duel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just whipping guns out. Right. Don't know how to handle it. Don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah, that's dumb to give. I'm sure any of those guys would love to play. Yeah, it's like Carmelo can't get signed. You know, right? Um, the thing is, is like, what there's is a Car- reason behind yeah Car- Vince being signed versus Carmelo. And yeah, I disagree with 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 Arenas as well. I kind of understand where he's coming from to the point where um, you know, I could see because he came from a background in the sense that no one gave him a chance, and then he became an NBA superstar. And maybe he thinks some something like that can happen again for another person, which is entirely true. But at the same time, you're exactly right in the sense that what Vince provides to this team is so beneficial with um, what he can do by being a player on the court, set an example for, uh, for these young guys, because, you know, it could be one thing if he was like a coach, um, you know, an assistant coach, but it's like, he's on the court. And I think having that leadership on the court goes a long way. It does more for the young guys who are coming up than it does for, for a coach to do that because the coach isn't going through it every day with them. Vince still is going through you know, the rigors of an NBA regular season. He's playing with these guys. He's, he's showing them how to do things the right way. And the best way to do that, I think, is having a guy on the floor with you. Well, Adam, we touched on all four teams today. I think we have uh, concluded this episode of Atlanta's End. Uh, episode 96, we're getting close to number 100. Pretty wild. 
So 100, that'd be like a month from now. That's going to be an episode and a half. Yeah. Might have to uh, blow that one out. Lots of guests. What does that mean? Lots of guests. Um, maybe a clip show. Yeah, we'll see. The hell's a clip show? Like where we just don't do anything that's... Uh, you know how like some of the sitcoms will. Just, oh, I hate yeah. that. shit. I hate that shit too. We weren't really nothing do that. pisses me <laughs> off more than a clip show. Yeah, that just worst. means people got too lazy and they don't want to actually come up with new content. Right. Or we're, they were working so hard that they're like, ah, fuck it, we need a break. Yeah, they got lazy. Yeah. We're out here grinding, Graham. We're grinding every day. <laughs> we're putting so much time into the show. You have no idea. Yep. Yeah, that, that concludes episode ninety-six, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening, wherever you are. And however you listen to the show. Until next time. Oh, by the way, yes. thank, thank you to the user that left us a very nice review. Ah, uh, yeah. This past week. That was that was nice. Yeah, shout out to user the fly, the fly white guy. guy. That sounds like one of our users. Um, yeah, we, we it left us a very nice review on July 3rd, which we don't get a ton of reviews. So we appreciate it. We often wonder if anyone's... We see that some people are listening, but... Sure. Um, you know, it's kind of weird. We just sit here in a room talking and I guess somebody listens to us. So it's nice to get some feedback and he yeah. gave us a, keep doing what you're doing and, uh, we will. Yeah. So appreciate that. Yeah, thank fly you white you. guy. Yes. It was a real person that we don't know. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. That didn't try to kidnap us like, uh, Mark Andre. Yeah. No, this is, this isn't a made up side story that we do just to pass time. Sure. It's reality. No. Not fake news, Graham. Not fake news. And with that, rise up, chop on, same brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. As a podcast person, that would have been an appropriate time to say, if you like listening to our show, please. I'm not going to grovel for reviews (laughs) like some loser. You can review the show if you want. You don't have to. It's like, you know, whatever the hell someone wants to do. You're not a groveler? I'm not a groveler. All right. No, you could could tell us we suck. You could tell us... uh, we're great. You could say nothing, and that's your prerogative. I'm not going to sit here and demand good reviews. We're not demanding. Or ask. It's I'm not pl- going to playful. Uh... I'm not going to ask for anything. Okay. Why? Well, you know, you you, you get what you earn. We earned that review from that guy because he appreciates the show. <laughs> I didn't realize he had such a hard stance on groveling. I don't like groveling. Hospitality. Hospitality. <laughs>